0: Let's open up the word, shall we, to um, 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. So, a um, couple of verses to introduce. Um, so, prior to this, uh, King David reigned over all of Israel, then his son Solomon reigned um, and the land area uh, increased under Solomon. But then the because of Solomon's uh, sin, the kingdom was uh, split. So uh, Judah uh, and Benjamin was given to his descendants after that, whereas the northern ten tribes were given to someone else, a bloke called Jeroboam. Um, the... There were many kings, obviously, of the uh, northern ten tribes, and there were actually two Jeroboams. Uh, so when we read about Jeroboam here, it is that first Jeroboam that uh, was uh, a general, I think, in uh, Solomon's army. And uh, and then later, when his son reigned, there was this thing that happened, and... Um, Jeroboam became the king of the ten northern tribes. So this is Jeroboam the uh, first. If we go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 28, and uh, bear in mind that Jerusalem was still uh, in the tribe of Judah. So Rehoboam, who was the son of Solomon, uh, reigned out of Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem was the temple. So this nation of Israel, the ten tribes in the north. They, uh, they could have access to the temple, but they'd have to leave and go to, uh, to Jerusalem, which was in basically another country. But uh, here in First Kings chapter 12, verse 28, we read, Whereupon the king, referring to Jeroboam, took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. So Bethel in the south, and Dan in the far north. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. So Jeremiah in his wisdom, decided, oh, it's too much for these people to travel all the way down to Jerusalem. We're going to make it a lot easier for you. Uh, We're going to create two new gods so they're all closer, one in the north and one in the south, so you don't have to travel so far. And he even made a feast. It says he ordained a feast similar to the feast that was held in Judah. So similar to the feast that God ordained for his chosen people and uh, burnt incense and so forth, It was uh, and so all those things. So Jeroboam, in his own, uh, he devised in his own heart, it says, uh, his own religion, right? And this religion was similar to the one that God made, formed, ordained, asked the people to follow. Um, and it says, importantly, um, that... It became sin unto the people of Israel. It was similar, but it wasn't quite it, um, and, uh, uh, and it caused this uh, stumbling block. We'll go on to uh, chapter 13 and verse 1, and there's, this, there's a, a backstory to this, a couple of verses that I'll read, uh, which is very interesting, but we'll just read uh, in verse 1. It says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he, being this man of God out of Judah, cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee and men's bones shall he burn upon thee. So this is very, very soon after Jeroboam. And look, Jeroboam was actually chosen by God to be the king of the northern tribes of Israel. Uh, but very quickly he, um, he, he created his own religion, his own gods, and very soon after that this man of God is sent out of Judah to warn him, say, look, you're doing the wrong thing, and this and he, uh, he prophesied about this altar and he specifically named a bloke called Josiah. And Josiah uh, lived many years after this. Um, Josiah was the father, sorry, the grandfather of Zedekiah, the last king of Judah. Uh, and so he's prophesying about a, a time that is far into the future against uh, the, uh, the doings of Jeroboam and what this altar represents. So we'll go up to uh, Josiah, which is uh, 2 Kings chapter 21. And uh, the nation of Judah waxes and wanes with their relationship with God. So does Israel. Israel has, is generally further away, um, but every now and again pipes up and there's a closeness to God. But here in Second Kings chapter twenty-one, we read about Josiah. Second Kings chapter twenty-one and verse twenty-five. Second Kings chapter twenty-one and verse twenty-five. And it says, "Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah?" And he was buried in his sepulchre in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah his son reigned in his stead. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David. His father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. So this bloke Josiah was actually named. It was prophesied, and uh, here we have simply that uh, he followed the ways of the Lord, and he didn't look to the right or the left. A very special king, and uh, you can read further down. There's uh, to verse eight. So Second Kings chapter twenty-two and verse eight. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Down to verse 10. And Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahakam the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Azahiah a servant of the king saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest and Ahakam and Akbor and Shaphan and Asahiah went to uh, Haldar the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Hahas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college. And they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I'll bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burnt incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes, and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again, and the king sent And they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. So it's quite a story. It's like uh, you can imagine that Josiah, just a young fella, but then um, uh, later on, I think it was the 18th year of his reign, he decided to go out there and clean things up, and he found this book. So it's been a while since this book was read. And, uh, and then when it was read to uh, Josiah, he, uh, he uh, humbled himself and was grieved because it was predicting evil on the nation of Israel or Judah as well. And these would have been writings of prophets before to warn uh, the forefathers. And, uh, and Josiah humbled himself before the Lord and ultimately read the law to the people, read about this covenant and all the people stood to the covenant, accepted the covenant and, uh, and changed their ways. And, uh, and God hearkened unto that because this um, desolation that God foretold in the book was meant to come pretty soon after his grandfather Manasseh had died. But because Josiah was a good man and he didn't he didn't look to the left or the right and he followed the ways of the Lord, um, it's like God stayed it for a while. He said, "Look, this will come to pass because uh, my chosen people Israel are doing bad stuff, uh, but you will go to your fathers in peace." And uh, and so Josiah, after this as well, he uh, he went through and he just uh, cleaned up all sorts of things. He uh, people that were were doing contrary things to the word of God, those involved in uh, witchcraft and uh, uh, all the, uh, the priests of Baal, and he just cleaned up the land of Judah, of all these people that were doing the wrong thing, uh, in obedience to the uh, commandments of the Lord. We go down to verse 15, 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 15. Uh, and it says here, Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he brake down and burnt the high place and stamped it small to powder and burnt the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchres that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchres and burnt them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these things. So it came to pass. What God said happened, okay? Um, and, uh, and it was um, an amazing thing. And Josiah found out later who it was and um, preserved that prophet's bones. Down in verse 21, it says, And the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover unto the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of this covenant. Surely there was not holden such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holden to the Lord in Israel. So he got the book out. There were instructions on how to... uh, to perform the Passover, I mean, we can read it ourselves, and it says here that he uh, changed his ways completely, uh, the, the ways of Judah, and it says there, there's never been a Passover like it, so even since the days of the judges, uh, right through with all the kings of Israel and Judah, was this Passover that was held before the Lord, so completely turned uh the, the nation that he was ruling over to follow the things of the Lord and follow and, and stand to the covenant that he'd found, including getting this Passover right. Um, so the title of this talk, I got there eventually, is New Bottles. Okay? So we'll read the scripture later. It's like New Bottles. Um, in Luke it refers to New Bottles. We... When things are all awry and like the nation of Israel is creating their own religion, which is close but not quite, um, it's, it's not God's way to uh, kind of meld in and try to change it internally. God's way here was to just break it down and rebuild it back up again. Okay? Um, and, uh, and that's the way God works. Um, and so it's not like using old bottles... We, we have a whole new bottle um, where we, uh, we serve the Lord with, uh, and that's what Josiah did. He, he uh, built it all back up again as, according to God's pattern. Now, before we go to the New Testament, go to First Chronicles chapter 13. First Chronicles chapter 13. It's a nice little story here of the time of King David. We have a side, like King David followed the things of the Lord with all his heart. He was a friend of God. He wrote the Psalms. Uh, it's amazing. And then we've got this interesting little story here where he did something, um, I guess, a little bit wrong. <laughs> I mean, he did some big things wrong, but this one was only a little bit wrong. But it was still wrong. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 13 and verse 6. And David went up. And all Israel to Baalah, that is to Kerjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab and Uzzah, and Ahio drave the cart. So you can imagine this, David has a desire to bring the, uh, the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, from this place called kerjath Jearim, up to Judah. And it's exciting. He, he actually made a brand-new cart. You know, uh, let's, let's put it on a brand-new cart and make it this exciting thing, do the best we can. And, uh, and there were these two people, Azza and Ahio, which drove this cart. And David and all Israel, where are we? David and all Israel played before the Lord, played music with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came under the threshing floor of Kaidon, Azar put forth his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. So here we have a hint as well. They had a brand new cart and they had oxen that were pulling this cart and the oxen stumbled. They tripped on the uneven ground or whatever and this fella Azar put forth his hand to hold it so it wouldn't slip off the cart. Um, I guess if, if it did slip off the cart, it would get broken, right? So he, he reacted in that way to preserve the ark of God. And we go to uh, verse 10. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before the Lord. And David was displeased. Because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, wherefore that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? He's exasperated. So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, which is Jerusalem, but carried it aside into the house of Obed Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Okay? So it seems that Azza did the right thing. He was trying to protect the ark, make sure it didn't get broken and he gets struck dead. And David is actually angry. It says he's annoyed. God, why'd you do this? You know, I'm doing the right thing here. You know, why? He was displeased, it says. And then after cooling down, he was afraid, like I'm too afraid to touch this thing now, like I don't know what I'm meant to do, I'll just put it aside there and uh, I'm assuming in that period of three months, went back to look in the law to find out what's meant to happen because the ark was meant to be moved around in the wilderness so there must be a way to do it properly, so went back to look in the old law in this period of three months and then we get to um, chapter 15 and verse 1. 1st Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 1 And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched it for a tent pitched for it a tent Then David said None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever And David gathered all Israel together and to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the lord unto his house place which he had prepared for it and david assembled the children of aaron and the levites so he's making this proclamation after reading in the law that nobody's meant to touch the ark other than levites and uh and there's a way of doing that and we go down to uh verse 12 And said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, referring to uh, chapter 13, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel and the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. So that's how the ark is meant to be transported on the Levite's shoulders, not in a nice new cart with fresh paint and nice shiny wheels and all that sort of thing with being towed by oxen, uh, God has no regard for that stuff. He has regard for things being done right. And uh, when uh, the ark was uh, carried on the shoulders of the Levites as Moses commanded, it was done right. Uh, Verse 25, so David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. knowing it's right, the way of doing it is right. And it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, and all the Levites that bear the Ark, and the singers, and Chenaniah, the master of the song, with the singers, David also had upon him an ephod of linen, Thus all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouting and with sound of the cornet and with trumpets and with cymbals, making a noise with psalteries and harps. There was a party. Everyone was just so happy. Praise the Lord. You know, there's joy. There's confidence now. You know, there's no longer this fear uh, they know how to move this ark and to put it into this place in Jerusalem, in this city of David. And what's interesting in verse 26, it says, God helped the Levites, okay? It doesn't say that back in the other account in uh, chapter 13 that God helped them, but when the uh, people had their heart to the Lord, to the ways of the Lord, and doing it, uh, trying to do it the way God has commanded it, he helped them. And, uh, and it's just fantastic that he, uh, he doesn't leave us alone. He help aids us in uh, what we're uh, doing for the Lord. Um, and, uh, and it's just uh, reassuring in that way. And so in this case, uh, it's just this real encouragement that, hey, look, be uh, knowledgeable in the commandments of the Lord. Uh, understand what God wants. Uh, we live in the spiritual time now, but the point of this story is when we do it God's way, we get success. And uh, there is joy knowing that, right, we are walking in spirit and in truth. It's not a a confusion. Like I know certainly before I came to the Revival Fellowship, I didn't know. In fact, I did know I was going to hell. That's how confused I was. Um, But I didn't know what God wanted. And it's so reassuring. There's a joy that we have knowing what God wants. And over time, and we heard in testimony, that God helps us as we uh, follow his commandments and do his will. And praise the Lord, uh, we don't have to worry about sacrificing and shedding of blood and all these things and um, doing the the Passover sacrifice and uh, burning incense and so forth because it's a spiritual thing now. All those are spiritual. We have the spirit in us. And, uh, and the, but the Lord still helps us. And so now we go to our Luke chapter 5. This is the, uh, the new bottles bit. Luke chapter 5. And so the good thing about the story of David was he set it aside for a time and did his research to find out how he was meant to do it. Whereas Jeroboam himself, he just created a whole new religion. It's too hard. I'm just going to create my own religion and that religion need to be cut down and rebuilt by Josiah. And here in uh, Luke chapter 5, so just to Luke chapter 5 and verse 33, so that's Luke chapter 5 and verse 33. And they said unto him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, And the peace that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilt, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new, for he saith, The old is better." So hence the title of this talk, New Bottles. It's like we lived our life once, once upon a time, far from God, far from the truth, far from the spirit. Uh, we didn't know. And, so, and then now we know that. We've been baptised. We've received the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. And so we are like this new bottle. Um, Yes, it's like uh, we, we've got this new bottle and we've got a new way of leading our life. We're not trying to blend what God's done in our life with our old life, which, uh, which is what um, Jeroboam did. He blended it and, uh, and, it's, and then what happened was, it was everything was perished. All of the nation of Israel was, uh, was turned to sin uh, and, it, and the, um, the, the bottle broke and uh, the wine was spilt and it was all perished. And that's what happens today is, and we've seen it throughout history with religions, they might start out okay for a little while and then they start blending, bringing in ideas from other groups that are contrary to the Bible. And then it's like they, uh, and then the, the, the doctrine is so far away from what's written in the Bible. They're trying to blend this new wine experience with old bottles, trying to put it in an old case, and then it just doesn't work. It just ends up in sin and a distance from God. We have a whole new life here, and that's why this whole separation happens with the Revival Fellowship, that uh, that uh, vision that we are separate. We we Fair enough, we uh, preach the gospel to every creature, which includes religious and non-religious people, but we call them unto us to change their lives, bring them out of their old life. Instead of us going and blending in with their religious activities and also our life. We have a whole new life ahead of us where we change our ways, we change our priorities, and we build up a whole new life Uh, like uh, Josiah did for the nation of Judah, built a whole new life up in serving the Lord, whole new priorities and looking to the Spirit and reading the Bible, fellowshipping, doing the work of the Lord. Uh, It's different now, And, and we put... This new wine in new bottles so that it's preserved. And what's interesting here, how the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 39 says this No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, The old is better. <laughs> and uh, just after giving a parable of you don't put all, um, new wine in old bottles. But what it's saying is, look, we're people. We are human beings. The old ways, we know the old ways. We're comfortable with the old ways, the old traditions, the, uh, the, the old way of doing things, the generations that have followed that belief system. We're comfortable with that. We understand it. It's our life. And so we, uh, uh, we don't... Uh, but the Lord's saying we're different to that. We desire this new way, this different way, this new wine instead of looking back to the old wine. And we know that old wine is referring to fermented wine as well. It's been sitting around a while, and so it'll just make you stagger before the things of the Lord. But we, we seek the new wine that hasn't been sitting around. It's fresh. It's the, the pouring out of the spirit in our life. So what Jesus is saying, it's natural. It's natural for human beings to desire the old ways, to desire... Parts of the old life, it's what happens to all of us. There's parts in our old life think, oh, that was nice, I enjoyed that. Or if we grow up in generations of a particular religion, and I know there's a couple of people here in a particular religion, generations of it, we know that. My grandfather was a priest, preacher or a, um, what do you call it? Minister, thank you. (laughs) We don't even use those words, do we? It's just so far from us. Generations of it and achieve great things in those generations. So it's natural in us to desire to follow in the footsteps of our forefathers in the flesh. It's natural. So don't be ashamed of it. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Yes, no problem, okay? To a point, it's no problem. Just remember to switch off and follow the new way, the new way, the new way that's ordained, by God, and called by God, uh, and uh, and follow the things of the Spirit, the Spirit and the truth. Over to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. And verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. And verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbour and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I'll forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. So this prophecy here, well into the uh, Old Testament, uh, toward the end of um, of the times of the kingdom of Judah, through Jeremiah, uh, God prophesies here that I'll make a new covenant. So that being, as it says in the New Testament, if there's a new covenant, then there's an old covenant. The old covenant has become old now. Okay? All things are new. And uh, this new covenant with a uh, with people where he put... Uh, his laws in their inner parts, and, and, uh, and that being the spirit. So the point I want to make here is this is the new bottle, okay? The new bottle that God is forming, and, uh, and so there's no room for the old bottle uh, because that will break if you put the new wine in it. Over to uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 68. Luke chapter 1 and verse 68. This here is a prophecy of Zechariah, who's um, John the Baptist's father. Luke chapter 1 and verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. An amazing prophecy. Um, John has only just been born, so Jesus hasn't even yet been born. He'd be born in uh, three months' time. And there's this prophecy of Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, about the coming of the Saviour of the Lord. And it says in verse 72 there, uh, his holy covenant, bringing in his holy covenant where there'll be righteousness before him all the days of our life, bringing in this new thing. So this, this brand new thing that will be built, built up. Um, so we go to uh, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Some words of John the Baptist himself, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 5. Then went out unto him, being John the Baptist, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptised of him in the Jordan, in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptise you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptise you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And that can happen in our own lives, that he'll purge our own floor, he'll burn up the chaff in our own lives, uh, that, uh, that indeed uh, we, have, we have that wheat in the garner as well, where we're bearing fruit uh, as we follow his ways. And, uh, and here we have the Sadducees and the Pharisees who approached John the Baptist. These were the modern religious people. And he gets straight into them and says, look, Who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, don't rely on the fact that you're a descendant of Abraham. Don't rely on uh, the the history that you have in your family, the history of the law in your family. Don't rely on that. You know, um, allow your floor to be purged, the chaff to be burnt with unquenchable fire, that the wheat may, uh, may flourish in your life as you follow the ways of the Lord. And... Uh, um, that whole, uh, as well, with uh, verse 12, you know, throughly purging his floor. That's like um, it says um, that Jesus said, it says, that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence from the time of John the Baptist. It's like he's breaking it all down, purging it, so they can build it up again. A whole new way, a new covenant, a new way of serving the Lord, a new way of following the Lord. Praise the Lord, we're a part of that. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we understand what it all means. Um, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Praise the Lord, we understand what that means. But the point here that Jesus keeps labouring at this, you must be born again. So you must start all over again. Okay, In the flesh, a, a baby that's born has no history. They're just a babe, they don't know anything. And it's like when we're born again of the water and the Spirit, we start again, clean slate. You know, uh, start again, uh, leaving our old ideas behind. Uh, They just cramp cramp us up, um, get in the way, that's what I mean, and and we build up a whole new picture of what the kingdom of God is. Praise the Lord we've done that. And uh, and, um, we can all reflect on when we first came to the Lord and we had our old ideas and there's a little bit of an unlearning that's required (laughs) and... uh, I certainly giggle at some of the ideas I had and praise the Lord. It took to, takes time, slowly cleaned out, and you build up a picture of the kingdom of God because we're new, we're fresh. It's a, our floor has been purged. You know, We've got the Holy Spirit in us now. Uh, to, to Yep, fair enough. There is in us to look for the things that are old, the things that we're comfortable with, but we look forward to a new way now, a new... Um, a new life, uh, that there is uh, this joy when we know what we're doing is right. You know, it's joyous. Wow, we've looked through the scriptures. Yes, what we're doing lines up. We repented. We got baptised by full immersion. We received the Holy Spirit. We spoke in tongues. We're born again. It's what God asked us to do. We're now carrying that Ark of the Covenant. Sorry, the Levites are now carrying that Ark of the Covenant as it should be done. And there's confidence and joy, and we can praise the Lord for that. That uh, we have this new house, this, these new bottles with our lives in it. Finish up in Second Corinthians chapter five. 2 Corinthians chapter five. If there were new people here. I was going to read Acts chapter two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, and. Uh, this thing that you now see and hear, this new covenant, this new way. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to finish up on and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Praise the Lord for that. A regeneration, a renewing, uh, a building up of something that's fresh and beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. Um, Really, that's like we we, uh, are in a position whenever we pray to give God the glory. And this is another thing we can give God the glory for, that that old creature has gone. You know, praise the Lord that old confusion, the old ideas, the things that uh, just kept clouding our um, understanding of what the kingdom of God's about are passed away now. I mean, it could also refer to the old law. That's old, you know. The, the, the garment's waxed old and there's no good anymore. But we've got a new one. Through the spirit, all things have become new. And uh, it's a new beginning for us, as was on the uh, Perth pamphlet for a long time, a new beginning where uh, we've got another house, a spiritual house built up, our own lives built up uh, and our relationship with the Lord. Okay, thank you.